When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No time on the clock. The Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. It's a quick throw. And it's And happy Friday to you and yours from the Pats Interference Podcast. Patriots preparing for what feels like their first game in two weeks. Reality is just the first game since the loss to Buffalo last Thursday night. Kickoff at Arizona, 8-15, Monday night. Big game, Patriots 6-6, Cardinals 4-8. We are going to flip the normal format for this later in the week podcast where we do the game preview with a guest, you know, after a brief intro. Today, we're doing the game preview solo, and then Ty Dunn of GoLongTD.com is coming back. Now, you might remember Ty from his earlier appearance. We talked about his book, The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. Tons of Gronk stories, tons of Ben Coates mentions, a whole chapter there, and a lot of Bill Belichick. And Ty also talked about um, some other things in and around the Patriots. Well, Ty last week was back in town to talk to Matt Judon, and he has a huge Matt Judon feature coming out today, Friday. So you should go to golongtd.com. He is the founder, author, uh, driver of that whole site because Ty is one of the best football writers that we have available. He gets into Judon's background, what he's doing currently to kind of make sure last year's slide at the end of the season doesn't happen again, his role in the locker room where he's really become almost – the voice and face of the Patriots, particularly as, you know, in a few weeks, we'll have more retirement questions surface probably for Devin McCourty or Matthew Slade, maybe, maybe a couple months, maybe not a few weeks, but Ty is an outstanding writer. You can get a free copy of his book. If you prove that you subscribe to his Substack. again, that's golongtd.com. The book is great. And so head on over there. In the meantime, let's get to the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals, as I mentioned, four and eight, 30th in DVOA. This is the third worst team in football. The Patriots playing on the road as just a one point favorite. They are 29th in offense, 24th on defense and 28th in special teams. They are coming off a bye, but their last four games was they lost 25 to 24 against the Chargers at home before that 38 to 10 loss at home to the 49ers. Then a win versus the Rams 27, 17. And before that, another home loss 31 to 21 versus Seattle. So the Cardinals obviously not great shakes overall, but not even winning at home where they have probably one of the more tepid fan bases in the NFL. Now you might think and look, well, Kyler Murray, he's one of the highest paid players in NFL history. How could this happen? Well, when he is not firing up call of duty, Kyler Murray is completing 66.3% of his passes for 2,359 yards, 14 touchdowns and seven interceptions. That is a passer rating of 87.1 passer rating. A lot of issues with that stat, probably best, to judge an entire passing offense rather than just a quarterback. But if you want to single the number to know in a league where 
That number is really going up and up and up the longer we play. He is sitting at basically mediocre. And right now he is probably the best part of this Arizona offense, aside from, of course, DeAndre Hopkins. He's also their second leading uh, rusher at just over 400 yards atop him, James Conner, who, if I'm being totally honest, uh, I forgot was in the league. So uh, heading into this week, good to know that James Conner is back. Meanwhile, I mentioned Hopkins. We'll go straight into when the Patriots have the ball and the Cardinals have the ball, then our 3-2-1 breakdown um, before we get to Ty Dunn. We'll start with Arizona and the offense. Look, this is all about DeAndre Hopkins. Since he came back from a six-game suspension at the start of the season, he leads the NFL in targets. He is leading the Cardinals in every single uh, receiving category. And as Belichick put it earlier this week, he's never covered. That's it. Because of his body control and his catch radius, you throw it up to him one-on-one, Belichick says he's as talented with his ball control and body control as any receiver he's ever coached against. He went back through Chris Carter's name out there, anybody. So when you look at this game for the Patriots and you need to go back to your core game plans, what do we need to do to beat this opponent? Neutralize their strength. This is something we said the last couple of weeks with Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs. They did not check that box in either of those games. Lo and behold, they lose. And it's something we're going to say a whole lot with uh, Jamar Chase coming up, Devontae Adams coming up, Tyreek Hill, and then Diggs again. You can't lose to Arizona and let DeAndre Hopkins goes off. This is where the game starts. So when Arizona has the ball, Kyler Murray is, yes, a scrambling threat. We could talk about the mobile quarterbacks. I feel like we've done that for the last three, four years because that's the league now, okay? But the Patriots had tightened up the screws, which were really loosest in this design quarterback run game that Lamar Jackson unveiled and then Chicago repeated early in the Patriots season. The Cardinals run game isn't constructed so much like that. Maybe they could steal, you know, some of these uh, QB counter bash plays where you have the quarterback running away from the blocking, okay, on this read, whereas the pulling guard goes with the running back, you know, or you flip it and you have the quarterback follow the pulling guard and the back going away. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see a lot of spread, which we've always seen from Cliff Kingsbury. They're going to see some zone read. The Patriots did an excellent job at stopping Josh Allen on those zone read plays. So it really comes down to Hopkins more than Murray scrambling. This is a bottom three offense in the league. We talked about DVOA. They're 29th. PFF has them worth at, worse at 30th. They are the second worst run blocking line. So, you know, it's not even James Conner's fault that he's still leading a team in rushing in the year of our Lord 2022. He just doesn't have any room. So what I would do, because the Cardinals, of course, have more players besides DeAndre Hopkins and James Conner and Kyler Murray, is you look at someone like Hollywood Brown, who came back from an injury, obviously is sort of a deep threat. Instead of letting John Jones shadow, you know, Stefan Diggs and before him, Justin Jefferson, I would let him shadow Hollywood Brown because John Jones is the combination of quickness and long speed that can negate a player like that who's not overly physical and he can run step for step with him. And in the meanwhile, I would double Hopkins. I, look, play nine on 10 defense and offense if you need to. Just erase the one guy who can kill you and take this game and win it for the Cardinals because if you're the Patriots, that's really how simple this gets. Again, they're not running the ball. And when they do run the ball, it's mostly off of Kyler Murray scrambles. So this is a simple game for the Patriots defense. You line up, you play sound, you play to your leverage, and you put two guys on DeAndre Hopkins and make them go elsewhere. Okay, when the Patriots have the ball, high-pressure defense. The Cardinals don't have the talent to get after it. Boy, but they do not lack for confidence. Um, so 35.3% blitz rate. That is third highest in the league. They are excellent versus number one receivers. Marco Wilson, a corner, has 
much improved over the second half of the season so far. You could look at their corners and say they're no great shakes, obviously post Patrick Peterson. I don't think the Patriots are going to pick on them there. What I think they're going to do instead is, A, try to win with the screen game because of the aforementioned blitz rate, and they're going to go back to their tight ends because the Cardinals are 30th, third worst in the league against covering tight ends and covering running backs, according to DVOA. So, yes, that means a lot more reminder of Stevenson. Trouble is, I think Stevenson might have an interesting matchup here against David Collins, who you might mention or remember is this giant linebacker at a Tulsa that fit as a Patriots prospect back when we were all doing our projections a couple of years ago and of course the Patriots don't take Zayvon Collins but he's been much better in coverage than expected here in his second year and I don't think can cover and reminder Stevenson one-on-one the entire game but that's an area where the Patriots have tried to go to against teams and had middling success uh, mostly just because you know when you have a good linebacker in coverage it, it, there's not a whole lot to be gained there on third down because they're already starting close to the line of scrimmage and the Patriots are not utilizing Stevenson like some teams do on deeper routes, be it corners or wheels or whatever. you. So I would expect the Patriots to go back to Hunter Henry um, and run the ball. I mean, again, this is a bottom 10 defense, not only just because of its work against the pass, but also against the run. And those interior linemen, you know, on the edges, you've got more Zach Allen, BC kid, and J.J. Watt, the Patriots are needing to help over there. But up the middle, and specifically going behind David Andrews and right guard Mike Onwenu, Onwenu, the only guy who's even in Stevenson's you know, camp as far as it goes for best players in this Patriots offense, that's an area they need to attack. So help on the edges, as we've talked about against Watt and Allen, run the ball up the middle, find those tight ends, and ultimately just get ready for the blitz. Because Arizona is going to give you opportunities to hurt them with the way that they like to mix things up. They're a team that tries to do too much is not good at anything, okay? So while the Patriots offense has dumbed down and they're not playing faster or better with a simplified scheme, there is an opposite end of this spectrum in which you'll see defensively is exactly who the Cardinals are. So if you can catch them in some of these blitzes on more than a third of their overall snaps and probably even higher on passing downs, that's how you win. Now, three matchups, two keys, and one thought, and we'll get out of here. Um, Hopkins, look, again, it's simple. The guy is one of the best receivers in modern NFL history. And he is the guy the Cardinals are going to go to in all their key situations. You need to have a better plan for him than you did against Diggs and against Justin Jefferson. Double him, take him out of the game, and make the Cardinals play, as we see, left-handed. Second one, J.J. Watt. Six and a half sacks this season. He's actually stayed healthy for the Cardinals. They move him around the line a little bit. Ultimately, he's not the J.J. Watt of old, but he's still someone against the Yannick Just or maybe it's Isaiah Wynn, or, you know, a hobbled Trent Brown or sick Trent Brown that can give you problems. So on key downs, give him a chip, give him a slide, maybe a double here and there. Him or Zach Allen are doing a lot of the heavy lifting for this pass rush for the Cardinals, which is, of course, aided by their blitz, but not entirely coming from extra rushers streaming into the backfield. Um, the last one, Hunter Henry. Again, I think he's going to have opportunities over here, maybe not against David Collins, depending on whether Collins sees more of Reminder Stevenson or Henry himself. But you look across the linebacking core and even the safeties, you know, Jalen Thompson uh, is leading them in defensive snaps. He's been fine. There's nothing crazy there. Again, this defense ranks 24th by DVOA. They have areas to exploit, and I think it will be over the middle and a breakout game for Hunter Henry, which I've written talked about before, and it didn't work out totally well, <clears throat> play calling. But you just have to look at that matchup because they don't have a big advantage on the outside, but over the middle – there's definitely some weak spots in this Arizona defense. All right, two keys. Um, 
I said this earlier, we haven't touched upon it again, 28th in special teams. Marcus Jones, that kid will have opportunities to eat on Monday night. So I think you need to get big gains, some hidden yardage, even if it's 20 yards in a punt return, or you don't score in a kick return, but you get to the 40 or maybe midfield, because that's how you help your offense. That's how you make life easier, where they don't need to dominate, they don't need to string together 10 good plays, make it so it's just six or eight and do some of the heavy lifting for them. I think the Patriots need to win on special teams because, frankly, they should. They've had an error here or there. This is still a top 10 special teams unit. The Cardinals are dysfunctional. They're not well coached. And you need to win in the areas where you just don't screw up and they'll give the game over to you. Special teams is absolutely one. Um, The other one, in a similar notion, just protect the ball. Again, against dysfunctional teams. And the Cardinals are at the top of this list. The lack of power rankings in NFL franchises. Just hold on to the ball. Zero turnovers, and I think you get out of Arizona with a win on Monday night, then heading into Las Vegas, where it might not be the same story because, of course, the Raiders are playing their best football of the year, but we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves now. So last thought. Um, you go back through the history of the, the Patriots-Cardinals. Got some weird games in here. 2012, week two, I think it was a home opener uh, for the Patriots. Lose to the Cardinals 23-21 in a hideous game. It was on Fox. It was weird. Brady's turning the ball over. Four years later, Brady's not even starting. That's Jimmy G on the road. Sunday night, good game. The Patriots leave with a win. Four years after that, Cardinals come in, playoff hopefuls. They're doing what they used to do, at least under Cliff Kingsbury. Start fast and then fizzle. Patriots got more of the fizzle than the sizzle. And they win a game 20-17 that the Cardinals should have won with a game-winning kick. Instead, miss it in the final minute plus. Then Cam Newton, who was throwing balls in the ground from the start, gets hit late out of bounds. And then they're in position to kick a game-winning field goal. And Nick Folk drills it with no time left from 50 yards. Uh, might even been 51 or 52. So, again, the Patriots are 6-6. Six and six, Arizona 4-8. and eight. National audience probably looks at this game and goes, ah, I could skip this. We'll, watch, we'll catch up on some other show or watch the, the White Lotus again. Uh, and with the finale coming up on Sunday – I think we're going to have some some weird-ass football. And for that, I'm excited. Also, given the stakes, of course, for the Patriots in the playoffs, which we broke down in our last episode in case you missed it, um, all their odds, chances, scenarios. But for now, I think the Patriots should go on the road. I think they should win somewhat comfortably, as bad as the offense has been. This is a straightforward, do-your-job kind of game. Like the Cardinals, there's no mystery about this team and what they want to be and what they're not good at in the areas in which they can win. Block those roads off, and they'll have nowhere else to go. So, time for Tide On. GoLongTD.com. If you subscribe to his site, Go Long, you will get a free book called The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. Loads of information on Gronk, Ben Coates, Bill Belichick, and lots more. Outstanding writer. Hit up Tide once you make that subscription, or you can give one for the holidays, and he will find a way to mail you the book. In the meantime, here is Tide On on Matt Judon. And lots more from the car. Ty taking time out of his day to dial in like a sports talk radio, uh, radio caller uh, from the car. But he'll do it. Rare and shine. And here comes Ty Dunn. Hey, guys. Just a quick break to remind you, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Bet Online features live betting 
free contests and live score, not only for football and basketball, but you can get on there for NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50%, that's 5-0, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50, CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. Going to us live in the car, it is Ty in the car. <laughs> First time, long time, we'll just assume that's true. Tied on founder of Go Long and GoLongTD.com, where you can find the best long form on pro football. Been on the pod before. You might make history here today on Pats Interference as the guest to come back the quickest. They usually like to space these out, but you got a long feature dropping Friday when I think this will also drop on Matt Judon, the most interesting man in the Patriots locker room. I've got questions here for you. Is there anything you want to get your, off your chest, though, as someone calling into a sports show from the car? Because it's typically how this works, right? <laughs> I will say for uh, for the blood and guts, how tight ends say football, probably my favorite conversation out of all of them. And I, I whatever it was, 100 or so that I guys that I talked to, it was with Dallas Clark when Dallas Clark was in his truck with a coffee in one hand, <laughs> a water in the other. And he sat there and we talked for like four hours. So great things can happen when you're doing an interview from the truck. So we're, we're good to go, man. Thanks for being flexible and, and making it happen on these terms. Dude, definitely. And I, you were flexible in the first place. We had scheduled to do this Wednesday. I had something come up at home uh, and had to push that back. So we're, we're good. We're ready to go. And of course, you know, for folks who missed Ty's appearance the first time, it was for that book, uh, The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Say Football. Lots of anecdotes about Gronk, Ben Coates, Belichick tying in there, even sometimes with Jimmy Graham. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it's still um, fresh. Go back and listen and obviously buy Ty's book and we'll give you an opportunity to, you know, get that book as I teased last time, perhaps for free at the end of the episode. But wasting no more time on number nine, Matt Judon, as I mentioned, most interesting man in the Patriots locker room where you can see him speaking like few Patriots do after games once a week, Thursday, Friday. Um, he, he's just honest in a way that I think we appreciate, not only as just dealing with Patriots players who are trained very specifically, as I've talked before in this podcast and had to deal with media, but a Patriots player with a lot of power. Okay, Tom Brady was both the best player in Patriots history and probably the most reserved and cliche at the podium. That's not Matt Judon. So I want to give you, I want to ask three words that basically capture what you learned about a guy that we all see is a little bit more open and interesting. But when you talk to him for as long as you did, like that story and the story that came of that conversation and others came down to what? This, this, and that. Authentic, um, belligerent, old school. <laughs> so I guess that's four words. <laughs> Get the hyphen in there. That's good. All right, well, let's start with um, authentic. How quickly did that hit you? Is that something you knew coming to Foxborough that this is a guy who's going to give you know, a real story and be honest with me and is comfortable in his own skin. I love it. I mean, absolutely. I think that in general, we're always feeling that gravitational pull toward players in this game who are going to be themselves, who are going to say what's on their mind, who don't give a damn about reaction on Twitter. They're not going to backtrack. They're not going to say things were taken out of context. They're going to own it. And I, I think that's just so refreshing to hear a guy like Matthew Judon say, I'm going to kick your ass. And then he kicks your ass. And then after the fact says, yeah, I, I told you I was going to kick your ass. Like that's, that, that's football. And we, we don't talk about the sport in those terms for whatever reason. I think, you know, football is a microcosm of society in general. So when uh, society is getting soft, 
you know, I, I guess football can get soft, at least in the eyes of outsiders and people who absorb, absorb the sport. But hey, th- this is how Judon talks. And this is how his mentor back in Baltimore, Terrell Suggs, talked. I got to know him for a Bleacher Report story, you know, back in 2018. And it's, it's no coincidence that th- this is a guy who really can help. You know, we talked about tight ends saving the sport. Matthew Judon on the defensive side of the ball is, is a throwback who brings the sport back to, back, back to its purity. I think that the NFL needs him, and obviously the New England Patriots need him. So just the fact that he's real, genuine, authentic, man, it, it was refreshing to sit down and talk to him for an hour. Yeah, you know, tight ends might say football. Matt Judon arguably is saving the Patriots' defense, even as, you know, and this has become the storyline around him as, you know, his history repeating itself, his production down the stretch last season when it should be noted he had COVID, okay? A team started finally paying a lot more attention to him, had one quarterback hit in the last five games. It's better than that. He's got three in the last two against Buffalo and before that Minnesota, but also in those games, those teams were devoting a lot of their attention before, you know, it happened last year. And the Vikings running straight at him, as I detailed in my film review, then passing away from him, as I also detailed. And Buffalo, even without Deion Dawkins, didn't have much of an issue. Um, let's go straight to belligerent, though, because that was my favorite of your three words. We did authentic. Talk, tell, talk to me more about belligerent <laughs> besides the obvious orchestrated violence that Matt Judon participates on every Sunday, Monday or Thursday. Absolutely. I, I think it's it's rooted almost in the fact that you know he grew up as a running back and he didn't play defense until ninth grade. He didn't like to hit. He didn't like to tackle. Hmm. And in a weird roundabout way, as he kind of explains, that's kind of why he just hits everything that moves. He never really learned how to form tackle and, and, and follow the book. It was just destroy everything in my path. That's how he played at Grand Valley State when he had 21 sacks his last year. And, you know, they're playing Ferris State in the playoffs. He's taking a guy with one hand and just kind of tossing him like yesterday's trash. Um, and, and we see that in the NFL where he is just a, um, you know, a tornado out there as a pass rusher when he's at his best. Because I think when he's at his best, Josh Uche kind of got into this as well. Things come in bunches, right? He gets two, three sacks. He gets four or five quarterback hits. He kind of gets in his own zone in a way where th- th- that can change a game. And if you're New England and you're not getting much out of your passing game, you've got Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, you know, leading the offense, which says it all right there. You need that tornado. You need those two, three sacks that are just going to completely change a game. So you're right. They need it right now. He's being, you know, blocked in a completely different way than, than most pass rushers are, you know, he's getting chipped they're throwing it away from him. They're running away from him. So it gets tougher. And I think that's where, you know, you see TJ Watt, he's able to kind of time up his jump and, and, and pick off a Joe Burrow, pick off a quarterback when they're trying to avoid him. You've got to find a way to still impact the game. And I think if anybody can, Matthew Judon will. Yeah, I agree. And it's also for some of the names you mentioned, right? Wise, who I know you talked to, Josh Uche as well. They're having career years. Uche already up to seven sacks. Dietrich Wise passed his career high before the midway point of the season this year. And the Patriots, as I've written before, they're rushing for, or at least they were up until a couple of weeks ago, better than anyone in the league. Like their EPA in those plays, better than any defense. Part of that is opponent. Part of it is just the the timing all of all of this. Judon being Judon and getting a little help there. So I think that will... If not the conditioning, which I know is different, maybe you can speak to his preparation in the offseason about the things he's doing more. I think it's in the cold tub. Um, I think even some Pilates is mixed in there. Like, I don't think fans need to fear a repeat of last year. 
just because a you're facing the Cardinals and Raiders offensive lines, which are probably bottom 10 in the next couple of weeks, but he's, he's certainly not going to, I would imagine not deal with the same bout of COVID as he did last year. And the players around him are better. So besides that, um, the, the little details, anything more in the conditioning that hasn't come to light that you got to learn. Absolutely. Andrew. And, you know, I think it all has its roots in grand Valley state division two, six years. He spent six years at a D2 school. That's insane. I mean, look at the transfer portal stuff going on right now. Guys just kind of treating it like it's free agency. You know, something goes, hey, look, I'm all about player empowerment. You know, do whatever you want to do. But let's let's face it, Generation Z, something goes wrong. You're looking for an excuse. You're out of there. You're, you're, you're just moving on. And for him to spend six years at a D2 school, I think says so much about Matthew Judon. Uh, so again, go along if people want to subscribe and read the story. And also I should have led this at the top page. Like if people subscribe annually, um, I'll track you down, get your email, reach out and send you a copy of the blood and guts, how tight end safe football. So Gronk, Ben Coates, Belichick, a ton of Patriot stuff in there. Would love to hook people up. But I think that's a big part of the story is that at Grand Valley state, when he tore his ACL in 2013, that's really when he learned how to work. And it's not like the SEC or the Big Ten when you've got trainers upon trainers and, uh, you know, you, you, everybody's holding your hand and I mean, guiding you through the rehab process. He was on his own. I mean, he's doing everything on his own. The wall sits, um, you know, everything, you know, the, the, the stretching, the weightlifting regimen. It was just all isolated. And I think that when you're isolated and you're alone with your thoughts and you're processing this torn ACL and you're, waking up every morning, not sure exactly where it's going to go from here at a Grand Valley state when you haven't done anything on the field yet, your life can go in a lot of different directions. And I, I think that he really learned how to work at that point. And from that point forward, each year, each off season, always has tried to find something in his game, in his life to attack. And he attacks it at one speed, hundred miles an hour. Well, I think that hits the third point, which I was going to ask you about the three words. We already did authentic, belligerent, old school is that, you know, he's not going back in time in a sense, but time goes a little slower at places like Grand Valley State, where you're not on the cutting edge of sports science and all the things that you mentioned. So in addition to having, you know, eight siblings, which I think is going to teach you a lot in and of itself uh, and the parents he's spoken about and what they instilled in him, like, I think that is where the old school comes from. Is there anything else that we missed for before we move on? You're right. That's it. I think it's the old school. You better love football in the purest sense if you're at a Grand Valley State because you're taking bus rides to the Upper Peninsula. And for those who are unfamiliar with the state of Michigan, it's <laughs> much more vast than you can imagine. I mean, I used to live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And so, you know, with God, I remember with some friends, we went up to the Upper Peninsula one weekend, and it feels like you're driving to the edge of the earth. So those bus rides, I mean, one of them was 10 hours, one of them was eight and a half hours. They didn't spend a night at the hotel after the game. So if it's a, if it's a nighttime kickoff, you're not getting back home until like it's, 9 it's o'clock the eye. next morning. It's a red-eye yeah. bus ride, yeah. And it's probably going to be snowy. It's probably going to be miserable. You better love football if you're Matthew Judon at Grand Valley State so I, I think that that's pretty cool too there's not a lot of bells and whistles not a lot of free gear not a lot of hand holding it was football at its essence yeah and then he comes in of course as a late round pick goes to Baltimore seems to be an immediate fit and then you know when when Ta Terrell Suggs is your mentor you, there's 
no part of you that can't resist becoming a part of him in terms of his attitude. And it seems like the right fit for Judon because that's an old school program, right? Like they value physicality as much as any other team in the league. And they played that consistently to their identity, which obviously helped Matt Judon fit in a little bit here where physicality, at least with the best Patriots teams uh, we've seen has been a staple of them. I want to stay with him though, in that like people write these profiles, you know, in our business and you get to a lot of the same themes, right? Like, and I know you've seen this where we're, we're going into the background and you find adversity that they've overcome or some sort of long odds. And you get quotes from the high school coach or the college coach and this yeah. and that. And at some point, the stories that separate themselves go above those themes. It's not just showing how that happened. It's the telling of it because look, the NFL is the top 1% of the 1% of the 1% of all of these athletes in the entire world, strength, speed, agility, all that. Not to mention Will. So when you when you obviously those themes started to emerge with Matt Judon, Grand Valley State, eight siblings, you know, late round pick. What else, you know, kind of captured you about him? Like what not made him tick, but made you tick about him? Hey guys, we're gonna hit pause in the Patriots here for just a second to talk about something really important, and that's bedtime stories. Yes, the tales that had us feeling cozy in our bed and ready for a good night's sleep. Some of us enjoyed a fairytale ending, maybe hitting a walk-off home run or scoring a game-winning touchdown. So why shouldn't we have the same comfortable feelings when we try to go to sleep as adults as we drift off to sleep? Because the Calm App's immersive sleep stories make falling into relaxed and restorative slumber a breeze, bringing you back to the well-rested nights of childhood and hitting those homers and scoring those touchdowns. And I'm super excited to announce we're partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. For the last year plus, it's helped me reduce stress and anxiety through things like guided meditation. It helps improve your focus with curated music tracks and help you rest and recharge with those imaginative sleep stories. It can work for kids or adults. There's even new daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. And right now, if you go to calm.com backslash garden, you will get a special offer of 40% off, 4-0, of a Calm premium subscription where new content is added every single week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds because it is always ready on long days or short ones to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. So for listeners of this show, Pat's Interference, the best-looking Patriots fans and smartest around, Calm is offering an exclusive offer Offer of 40% off a premium subscription at calm.com backslash garden. Go to calm.com slash garden for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash garden. Hmm. You know, there. I, I guess what kind of jumps to the forefront of my mind right now is I sat down with TJ Watt. Uh, in Pittsburgh or Latrobe during training camp. And he, he traced it back to an injury that he had. Like, like he's maybe the best player in football. That's kind of what we declared him as. Like the, the best player in football because he can wreck a game from a position that you usually don't just take over games at. And he brought it back to Wisconsin when the game was taken from him and he was injured and he didn't know what was going to happen. He was a tight end at the time. Um, I, I think that it's the same kind of deal with Matthew Judon, like we're saying, but it, it, it's happening at the D2 level too. So it's like, it's just a different level when it's taken from you. And as Judon kind of described, you don't know what's going to happen. Like it, it showed him how fickle football is, how fleeting it is. And I think that that's the foundation for how he attacks the game today. Every game, every snap, treating it 
Like, like it could be your last. And I, I, that's why I think him and Bill Belichick, it's kind of a match made in heaven. It definitely was a match made in heaven, Baltimore with Terrell Suggs and, you know, everything that was in place with the Ravens. It, it's still crazy that they let him leave the building. He doesn't understand it himself to this day. Bill but loves being in New too. England. You can see that when he's yeah. leaving the podium or Bill's coming up after games. I mean, we see this on a more frequent basis, but for folks at home, just hang around for the post game press conferences after home game. And you will see just how much. Yeah. Bill has literally embraced multiple times. Uh, Matt Judon. Because he loves the game. I mean, he genuinely learned to love the game at a deep, profound level at, at Grand Valley state. And then at Baltimore. And so when you're Bill Belichick and you're just harping on situational football and you're bringing up rules that nobody even knows exists and you're like knee deep in all that minutia and it, it, it's the kind of environment that can drive guys nuts. It has, I mean, Kenny Moore got to know him a couple of years ago, Colt slot corner. Didn't have the nicest things to say about Belichick and the Patriots and the culture there. He was depressed. He couldn't wait to get out of there. He hated football. It's not for everybody, but it, for, for guys like Matthew Judon, who just seemed to love the game at this granular level, it is a match made in heaven. And I, I can see why Bill Belichick would, would love him and see why he's kind of the face of the team right now. This is, this is a team still kind of swimming in a little bit of an identity crisis, right? Like they got to figure some stuff out on offense or six and six, who knows where the season goes, who knows where the franchise goes. I, I feel like if you're looking for a face of the team, you could do a lot worse than a Matthew Judah. No question. And it is funny. You mentioned the fit because it's obvious there and on multiple levels, but the Patriots to my knowledge, and I understand they do some background and they can make some calls around the league and, and Belichick has a good relationship with John Harbaugh. Didn't know exactly how Judon would fit when they signed him because he didn't take a visit as free agents have not done now for years. And we even talked to Steve Belichick about this soon after Judon signs. And he's like, yeah, we're walking to practice, you know, in those first OTAs in the mini camp of the following spring. And I'm picking his brain, you know, I'm teaching him the defense, but you know, we didn't know how this would go, you know, because again, his answer, when we asked him, First over a Zoom that was him walking around, I think, New York City or somewhere. He's doing his first media. Like, this is his first impression with reporters, and we just can't get a signal because he's surrounded by skyscrapers. And then sits down later in his living room, kind of disinterested, was like, well, this is going to go well. Like, you don't want to go then to the Adelis <laughs> Thomas fit. You know, another famous Ravens linebacker, versatility, everything Belichick loves. And it wasn't a fit, partly because of his attitude. But his answer when we asked him, was, well, the Patriots chose me. Like, they ponied up. They offered the most. And yet, it's obviously worked out better than I think they could have expected, considering he's setting franchise records and living up to a contract, which was the highest paid uh, for a defender in franchise history. Now, one other thing um, I wanted to ask about, did Belichick come up when you were talking with Judon? Did you ever ask his thoughts about playing for Bill and how that's gone? I wish. Man, we yeah, cozy on up, Bill. Next time, we'll all just kind of have a few beers and talk. <laughs> it was actually, it was just me and Judon, um, kind of like a little office room and wasn't really sure uh, oh, I mean, how long did, he'd want to talk. In the conversation, did Belichick come up? Like, oh, did, did, okay. did Judon speak I, about I playing meant, like, did he? Did he literally no, no, walk <laughs> in? <laughs> just a little cartoon and no, 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 no. Like, man, what kind of access are you getting out there, Andrew? Yeah, <laughs> spilling secrets um, here, yeah. Oh yeah. He came up for sure. I, I think that, you know, when Bill Belichick is using, you know, war analogies and, and, and talking about world war two and his dad and um, the story where, you know, the NFL was just rocked by world war two, that, that, that story particularly uh, definitely struck a nerve, struck a chord with Matthew Judon and hit home, just stressing out 
fleeting the opportunity is to play football. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, the, all, all everything that Bill Belichick preaches, whether it's you know, telling stories about his dad or, or breaking down like that random rule that nobody else knows, like Judon can't get enough. And it's, it's a perfect fit. I love it. All right, let's uh, go big picture because you kind of touched upon this. Patriots, look, all the offensive players surely are sick of us asking what's your offensive identity. Well, we stopped because clearly there is none. Even though we're going into week 14. Now. <laughs> they, they don't have a clue. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It's it's not their fault. They go out, as they've said themselves, Aguilar, Henry, Kendrick Bourne, and do what they're told. And, you know, look, it's the story is the same, has been the same. We don't need to go there. But I wanted to get your impressions because you are someone who will parachute into locker rooms or cities and get to know players, sometimes entire organizations, having covered the Bills closely, you know, than the Packers and, and, and nationally, I might have had those reversed. But you get football on a lot of different levels. And so parachuting into New England, what struck you about the locker room? And this is before the last Bills game, you know, the kind of if you had your finger on the pulse of the team, what was it telling you? It's a confident team still, and they they believe in the infrastructure there that's been written about in you know books upon books and <laughs> features upon features and documentaries upon documentaries. Like I think that is real. Tom Brady or no Tom Brady, like the system that's in New England is different. That level of accountability. I remember seeing you there in that Pittsburgh locker room after they won that ugly game against the Steelers, right? And outsiders were watching that game like, ugh, neither of these teams are going to do much. But they win those kind of games under Bill Belichick. They just they just do. So I think that there still is buy-in. I think there's still belief. Uh, does belief manifest itself into a run to the playoffs and a playoff win or two? I don't know. I think at the end of the day, you probably still need to have the quarterback and have some innovation on offense and have playmakers just scoring points in general has been a challenge for this team. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and beat Arizona, beat Vegas, got to eight and six, they got the tiebreaker over the jets. I, I still think they can make the playoffs, you know, I, but until to get back to Super Bowl contention, man, I, I don't know if it's Mac Jones. I don't know if it's the coaches and to your point, you know, what are these guys going to say about Mac and the offense? They're not going to stand there when Bill Belichick is your boss and just openly criticize and slam the approach right now. Uh, but I think that, you know, you can probably start to hear it in their voice a little bit. There is, where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it's, I think there's no confidence like in the approach and the system that Bill Belichick has, but maybe not so much in, all right, what's this? Can this offense win games if that makes any sense? Yeah. And you know what? As much as we talk about the modern league and this is how football is now, A, it's cyclical. Okay. A lot of the same things that come around, you know, end up whether it's a spread offense or you're playing more narrow or heavier personnel or different uh, one or two high coverages. Like this is all going to go in the same order as it once did before because that's just how history works in sports. But you look at the scoring is down running is up. And if this team is going to win, it can win as a defense first team. It's not an impossibility. It's just your offense has to get to a competency level. We haven't seen yeah. consistently and is really a bottom five, you know, per EPA, but bottom 10, at least uh, by DVOA and some other metrics. So uh, let's, let's stay in the AFC East because you live in upstate New York, you know, the bills very well covered them. I know you've spoken um, with Dolphins players and the, the turnaround with two, you had an extended feature, two-parter outstanding work about Tua, who's, who's, I don't want to call myself a believer, 
because then you're on the slippery slope to two and on. But look, I can't go <laughs> along with the, the, you know, the, the, the notion that he's a below average quarterback anymore. I mean, the numbers, all the advanced stuff, you get as deep as you want would say top five quarterback in the league. He's not that. We understand this is a function of a lot of circumstances, scheme and the talent around him, but ultimately he's producing, he's a good quarterback. So in light of the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Jets you just mentioned, where the Patriots swept, but those were, you know, hard-nosed coin flip game if it wasn't for Zach Wilson, like using a, a lopsided coin or a loaded die or whatever it might have been. Where do you see them in the immediate future in the AFC East? I still think Judon can be that TJ Watt like force of nature that just wrecks things. Like I really thought they could have beaten Buffalo in Foxborough, even with the talent discrepancy between the two offenses, because yeah, like you're right. You got to get to that competency level. You, you have to get something out of your offense and run the ball and finish drives. But as like an old soul in the sport myself, I still think like, if you've got a freak of nature screaming off the edge, good things can happen. Like all it takes, this is such a game of inches. All it takes is one or two plays a game to completely change that game. The Patriots do have that force of nature and a Matthew Judon long-term in the AFC East. Yeah. You probably have to find a quarterback. Um, and now we get into the whole Mac Jones thing. I'm, I'm not sure where it goes with Mac Jones. All I know is they, they haven't done him any favors and everybody seemed to see it except for, the Patriots with Joe judge and Matt Patricia, all of a sudden leading the development of a promising young quarterback. I mean, a pro bowl quarterback who played well last season. So I, do, do you salvage him with a, with a different coordinator, a different quarterback whisper? Maybe do you completely start over? Do you bring Tom Brady back? I, I, I don't know. All I know is like Josh Allen isn't going anywhere. I to a tug of Iola isn't going anywhere. And, and he's got Tyree kill and he does have that coach. He does have somebody that's going to scheme up and, and just mature and develop him the right way. The Jets is, uh, you know, I don't think they're concerned about the Jets right now. But, yeah, B Buffalo and Miami, offensively, they, they, they've got the guys. Do you have the guy in Mac Jones? I don't think anybody knows. I can't really sit here and have a strong opinion either way on, on the quarterback matter in New England because I, I don't think you can given the circumstances with this, this coaching staff. Yeah. And look, in, at some point you go, you know, he's made uh, 27 starts now for his career. It should be a large enough sample. And yet I pose the same question to an executive uh, working for a team that has already played the Patriots. And he said all of the things you just said, like he looks at the roster and says, it's got the least talent in the divisions close uh, with the jets, but you look at the quarterback, you don't know if he was surrounded by the same system and talent, the two is in Miami then maybe you have a picture because at least with Tua, you go, we can win with him. The question of how much is that quarterback driving the winning, okay, versus just kind of coming along for the ride is a different question. I think with Mac Jones, that question same applies. He might have a lower ceiling and how much winning he's going to drive and create. But ultimately, you know, he's still an accurate, smart guy that can overcome, as most quarterbacks can't, you know, such circumstances when stacked against yeah. him you know, are, are just impossible. And so I think they're going to be able to address their talent in a way that they did when Matt Judon came aboard in 2021. It's just going to have to be in positions that, you know, at least in a couple of cases, they've been unwilling to spend market value for. And that's receiver. Um, that would be offensive tackle. And then maybe to get a corner, because we could talk about the quarterbacks, you know, the receivers in this division are going to be just as problematic. Diggs, Rose, John Jones. We look at Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, Garrett Wilson. 
is for real. Awesome. Like it's it's interesting where that might be more of the oh, modern football is having a number one receiver, but you know the teams that start the new trends are the ones that zag right away. And I'm not saying having bad receivers is a good zag, but it's just interesting because at some point too, you you like the rest of the division did have to respond to the team at the top, build yourself to beat them, and the Patriots were the team on top that the Bills and the Dolphins were designing themselves to be. And now it's kind of reversed. So it'll be interesting to see how much they want to do that or believe they have to, if this is close to they're in third place by one game, you know, at the end of the year and when they shape their offseason plan. You know, what's wild too is, is it, as much as we could break down like Tua's own superpower and that, that is anticipation, accuracy, handing that baton to Tyree kill in stride where he doesn't have to slow down on that virtual four by one. I, I do think you know, he's got a gift, but, Maybe the whole argument is exactly that. Get a Tyreek, get a Stephon Diggs, get an absolute star wide receiver for your young quarterback to take that young quarterback to the next level. I, I don't know if Mac Jones has that same anticipation and accuracy to just place that ball exactly where a, a talent like that wants it, or he can just go 60, 70 yards to the house, but they've got to figure it out. Like, it seems like his mind was his, his superpower, his strength, like the way he sees the game. So find receivers that can help accentuate that. It's crazy. They do have a lot of money tied up in wide receiver and tight end, a ton of money tied up yeah. around him. And it just isn't working out. So you look at the free agent class coming up, not a lot to be desired at wide receiver. They'd have to get creative from a front office standpoint to find him that weapon to, just to see if he's the guy. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, are you going to be, do, would you know Patriots Buffalo season finale, depending, I mean, since that's close to home, are you going to be around for that game? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably be here. You know, I, I go down the road, uh, you know, every couple of weeks as well. So, you know, never really know where the season's going to take you, but yeah, we'll see if it's significant. Hard to, hard to say right now. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we're already looking ahead of the off season. I think people would rightfully say pump the brakes. You know, I've already, uh, covered as far as, you know, what the Cardinals game is going to look like Vegas will be a whole other deal. But I think, you know, at some point the, the ceiling on the team is, is the issue. And so it's interesting to get your perspective as we talk about other teams, in the division or elsewhere. And then, you know, what that might look like if the Patriots have a meaningless game, uh, you know, or if it's a super competitive one with everything on the line, we'll have to circle back because we made history, bringing you back a second time, the fastest guest ever on Pat's interference <laughs> to do it a third time. But one, one last note on, on the Judon story, anything you miss the reason people should read. And as you mentioned, you know, if, if yay, prove and subscribe to golongtd.com again, for some of the best long form on pro football, you'll find one of the best football writers in the country. Like you can get the free book. Of course, if they just email you right with their address and info. Absolutely, man. And, and thanks so much for the opportunity to, to reach your legion of uh, pass interference listeners and viewers here. Um, yep. Golongt.com. And uh, we have a, like a tease up right now on Judon. And, and maybe by the time they're even listening to this, the, the story is live, but subscribe annually. Um, and if you subscribe annually, you know, well, I'll reach out to you or you can reach out to me, golongtd at gmail.com one way or another. We'll connect and I will get you a signed copy of the blood and guts. So, and we talked all about it, right? Hanging out with Ben Coates in his home in, in North Carolina, Rob Gronkowski, the stories are as absurd as you can imagine. If, uh, if you're a Patriots fan, I think you're going to love this book. Yeah. My favorite nugget, Bill Belichick discovering Jimmy Graham and Jimmy Graham saying, no, thanks. Not yet. Yes. And then you wonder, <laughs> you wonder what could have been had he not stayed for that extra year of Miami and obviously goes to the saints and become at least 
I think was probably tracking for Hall of Fame consideration. I don't think that's happening uh, anymore. Those years in Seattle just, you know, didn't pan out. The rare tight end for center trade also. I can't I can't name the center off the top of my head. Who, who's the guy who went from Seattle to New Orleans? That's right. Yes. God, it's in the book. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Unimportant. The last place you would expect to land in a Patriots podcast is a Seahawks Saints trade from 10 years ago. But uh, that story is crazy, though. Like, yeah, Belichick wanted him. He wanted to stash him on the practice squad. This is before he played a down of football at the University of Miami. Yeah. And uh, Matt Patricia actually put him through the workout. Uh, they were they wanted to develop him, stash him, see, see what they had at tight end. And then the next year, Graham thought he was going to the Ravens. So that that draft with Graham and Gronk and Aaron Hernandez and Dennis Pitta, um, Ed Dixon, that that draft really did kind of uh, set the tone for, the, for for this glorious tight end position in, in today's NFL. And you can find it all in Ty's book, The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football, which also includes a mention of one Max Unger, former Seahawks. There it is, Max center. Unger. Yeah, yeah. You never know where you're going to end up on Pat's interference. And most importantly, a go-long TD where Ty is everywhere from New Orleans, upstate New York, down to Florida, and hopefully in Buffalo where you can grab a beer and do this again, all right? Absolutely, Andrew. Great, great to see you. Thanks so much for having me. And a huge thank you to everybody out there uh, subscribing to golongtd.com.